Okay, ladies, it's so great to be with you this morning. As we're getting started here, I wanted to share a video with you guys that I came across a few weeks ago. What is God's name? Howard. How do you know know God's name is Howard? Our Father, who art in heaven, Howard be thy name. I thought you guys would enjoy that this morning after we study the Lord's Prayer. So uh, I don't know if any of you guys can relate to that, but uh, I've had my own share of Howard moments. And uh, a little bit later in my talk, I will share one of those with you. Because what I have learned is that Jesus wants us to get things right for ourselves more than for him. And he's always there for us to provide clarity that we need and to lead us. And he does that this week through the Lord's Prayer. In the material this week, you learn that there are six petitions which are part of the Lord's Prayer. And the first section of the prayer focuses on who God is. Howard. (laughs) Okay. No, 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 not that his name's Howard, um, but that we are to call him our father. Uh, The next thing is that he is found in heaven, that he is to be hallowed, which means to be honored or revered. It's about his kingdom and it's about his will being done in everything and everywhere. The last section focuses on our personal needs, our communal needs, and our desires. Along with this, you've studied the, min- the meaning of many key words. While this is just a very brief overview of what you all did this week, and I know you guys spent a lot of time in the material. Yeah. I personally thought it was a great week. I loved the material. <clears throat> now, sometimes after I study a subject in detail, what I'd like to do is kind of step back and take a bird's eye view or a high level view of what I just studied. And so I did that after this week. And when I stepped back and looked at the overall picture, I found that the Lord's Prayer is found in the Sermon on the Mount. Now, a few years ago, Deidre did a talk on the Beatitudes, and you guys remember studying that. She talked a little bit about the kingdom. And so what else we will find if you look at that is In a few sections and topics that Jesus teaches on, he emphasizes this, that how we do something matters just as much as the fact that we do it. Now, that's a big phrase, so I'm going to repeat that again. He says, how we do something matters just as much as the fact that we do it. The other thing that Jesus does is he provides uh, comparisons so that we might um, know the right way to do something. He does this by holding two options side by side for us to clearly see what he is comparing so that we can gain clarity. Sometimes he'll say, don't do it this way, but do it this way. And what we find is Jesus is touching on a few things. He's touching on form, he's touching on posture, and he's touching on attitude. 
And I believe here in Matthew 6 and within the Lord's Prayer that He's wanting us to know how we approach God in prayer. It matters, right? And I kept thinking that Jesus as our King is giving us more than just an instruction manual on prayer. And as I dug in, I believe that what Jesus wants us to know in this passage is that there are two ways to approach God in prayer. Our first clue is found in the first phrase of verse 9 of Matthew 6. Right before the Lord's Prayer begins, Jesus says this. He says, pray then like this. And the word that clues us in is that that there's something more is the word then. So let's take a look and let's see what comes prior to the text of the Lord's Prayer and what became came before the word then. So Matthew 6, starting in verse 5, says this. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. These are strong words from Jesus, I believe. And he clearly says here, do not twice. It's interesting because as I thought about it, I don't recall being taught very much about prayer growing up. As children, we're taught children's prayers such as, now I lay me down to sleep. And as we grow, become teenagers, young adults, we're also taught that when we pray to God, that we ask for things. We pray, we share our needs, and we ask for the things that we need or desire. But as adults, we don't typically get into the weeds on how to pray, right? It's kind of a vague subject for us. However, prayer is important. And in this passage, Jesus is telling us how we approach prayer matters, as I said before. And it matters how our hearts are postured toward Him. What are our motives? What are our intentions? And before this, I had not thought about this in such a relational way. So what I want to look at today is what is Jesus encouraging us to do? And I believe that Jesus is saying that there are two different ways we approach Him. Some will approach him transactionally, and others will approach him relationally. Now, when I researched this, I found that Pastor Tim Keller spoke on this a few years ago, and he said that you have to have a basis for how you approach someone, and how you approach them is going to set the stage for your exchange with them. And so he broke it down this way. He said, basically, you can either have a business relationship, which means I have something for you. It's based on performance, goods and services largely. 
The other thing about this approach is that it's conditional. And the third is if you perform, you're accepted or you're paid. Now, the other option is a family relationship, which what that means is what am I to you? And in that, in that area, family relationship, it speaks to commitment. There's a permanence that's there. It's unconditional. And since you are family, you do perform. For example, like a mom makes dinner for their children, right? She's not going to get anything out of that. She loves her children and she provides. Same thing with fathers. They, they go to work every morning. Some moms do as well. We do that out of love for our family and our children. So an example of a business approach is, and I'm, I'm going to use the word, the one for Starbucks, because I think we can all relate to Starbucks. Right, Aaron? Aaron, Aaron always has my back. Have you ever noticed that? Um, so when you go to Starbucks to get a cup of coffee and you walk in to order your, order your coffee you, and you approach the person behind the counter, you're going to order your coffee. You might say a few pleasantries like, how's your day? Beautiful weather outside. You might say thank you, right? But you don't go in there and you don't tell your life story. You don't talk about somebody who cut you off or how you felt about that. Um, we do that in families. And so when we're with our families, we might crawl up on the couch, grab a blanket, share with our, our husband or our children how our day went or ask them. You know, it's very intimate. It's very relaxed. Um, and, and so that's the difference between how we relate family and business, for example. <clears throat> like you wouldn't go into a hotel lobby or on the subway and sit down with a blanket and start sharing your story with a stranger, right? That would just be weird. So <clears throat> earlier, I referenced the idea that we approach God either transactionally or relationship or relationally. And so, so transactionally aligns with Keller's business approach and relationally aligns with the family approach. Okay. So one way we can begin to understand how we're approaching God in prayer um, is so when you go to him in prayer and it feels like he's not answering, maybe he's not hearing you. You ever feel that way? Do you wonder if he even hears you? You begin to ask yourself questions where you're at in this with God. Is this what he wants for me? So how do you respond when you're not, you're not, you don't feel like you're getting an answer? Do you become maybe less warm? Your prayers become a little dull. Um, you might even think, I've been doing things the way I'm supposed to, and I'm not sure what the answer is here, right? Um, your, your prayers become more repetitive. The other way would be if you're so comfortable with God relationally that when you approach him, it's warm, it's relaxed. It's just like having a conversation. Well, Jesus tells us here in Matthew 6 that we need to approach God as our father, so as a family, not as a business. We are not talking about whether or not you're eloquent or articulate, but rather if your prayer life is dull or mechanical or impersonal. In our family, in our earthly families, we tend to, to deal with our family, be it brother, sister, mother, or daughter, differently than we deal with other people. We deal with them regardless of how they behave or act towards us. 
We tolerate it more. Um, with friends, we can choose to step away or walk away for a bit. However, there's a difference with family. And so the question is, what's the basis of our, our relationship with God? How do we approach him? Is it family? Is it as our father? And let's be honest, this can be hard for some of us. In fact, for some, it could be the 5,000 pound elephant in the room. Because for many, they may not have had a good experience with their earthly father. For some, they weren't present. For some, it may have just been a bad ex uh, experience. Maybe their father abandoned them. There are a variety of different reasons we may struggle with seeing God as our father. And for some of this, this can be difficult to wrestle through. And herein is where lies the problem. When you study a text, one of the things that you look for is words that repeat over and over again. And in this passage, the word father repeats itself six to seven times, depending upon what translation you're reading. So we can't just pass it by. We can't just ignore it. But what we find is interesting is it's that Jesus is inviting us in through saying we approach God as our father. He invites us to the table of the Lord to sit with him, to feast and to dine. He invites us to the family and he makes it clear that we are welcome here. And I believe that he knew for some that this wouldn't be an easy task because throughout scripture, if we look hard enough, we will see Jesus guiding us in how we are to relate to him. And not only how we relate to him, but how much God loves us. He wants us to really understand this. And so in Jesus' own word, in his own conversations with God, he is imploring God to love us as much as God would love his own son. And so what I want to do is I want to take a look at a few verses here. John 17, 20 through 23 says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all, may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I are in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. These are powerful words. Jesus said that you would love them even as you loved me. Now, Jesus says more about our relationship with, with God and this idea of us as being a part of the family of God. Let's look at John 1.12. John 1.12 says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Romans 8, 17 says, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And finally, Ephesians 1, 5 says, In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Ladies, we are adopted. We are children of God. We are heirs of God with Christ. Now hear me right, not errors, <laughs> but heirs. That's kind of a tongue twister. 
When you are a Christian, you are adopted and given the rights to the kingdom and the family of God. The fatherhood of God is the very essence of what it means to be a child of God. It puts us in proper standing and relationship with him. He did this. He placed us there. He gave us the position and the right to sit in the seat in front of him. Now, adoption is not the result of the child's efforts. It's the act of the parent. It is not based on behavior. The essential change initially is a status change. It's It's legally saying, I promise to regard you and accept you and commit as much as to you as I would a biological child. As a believer, you cross over from being some person to becoming a son or a daughter. As his children, as adopted sons and daughters, do we really believe this? This is not the easiest concept for us to examine or land on, to just know how to rightfully position ourselves to relate to God and to Him as our Father. And if I'm being honest, ladies, this was not easy for me early in my walk with God. In fact, for most of my life. You see, until, race, until recently, my relationship with God was more transactional. In fact, as a type A person, or if you love the Enneagram, I'm a one. My relationship with God was completely on a business basis. That's what I was taught to do growing up. I learned the art of checking boxes. Go to church. Check. Read the Bible. Check. Obey His Word. Check. Memorize Scripture. Check. Tithe. Check. You see, I would learn Bible verses and cling on to those verses as promises from God. I memorize verses like John 16, 24, which says, Until now you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and re- you shall receive so that your joy may be full. You see, I focused on this part that said, Ask and you shall receive. Or how about this one? Matthew 7, 7 through 8 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Here's another which was my favorite. Psalms 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Ladies, isn't it funny how if there's something we want, we desire, that we cling to verses like this. But let me say this. Desiring and wanting things are not bad. We all do it. In fact, it's a part of how we're created. It's how we're wired. It's what I did with my desires. I let it drive me and motivate all my actions that directed my relationship with God. But this was all I knew. This was what I was taught. You see, I failed to look at these verses in their context, and I left out the full message of God's Word. 
I left out verses like Matthew 6.33, which says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Or 1 John 5.14, which says, This is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Seeking his kingdom and will first over my own would have had a much different impact on my life. You see, this was my Howard moment. And if we were all to admit it, I think we would find that we all have Howard moments. It's not something we plan to do. We don't plan to get things wrong. But it just happens. And let me just say this. My Howard moment was full scale. It went on for quite some time. At this point in my life, my relationship and approach to God was clearly transactional. You see, being a type A person, it came easy. In fact, business transactions are what I thrive on. You see, since high school, the one thing that I wanted to be more than anything else was a mom. Anyone here resonate with that? And a husband would be great as well. (laughs) I was going to check all the boxes, be obedient, and make my desires known to God. Well, ladies, God did not answer my prayer in the way that I'd hoped for him to. You see, I met my husband later in life, and I knew that having children with him would not be in the cards for us. It was the biggest obstacle I had to overcome before I agreed to marry him. He had three grown children who would become my stepchildren, but ladies, I wanted my own. I would love to say the decision came easy, but it didn't. I would love to say that once the decision was made that I got past it. But it took years to mourn the idea that having a baby of my own would never be a reality for me. My therapist at the time told me there was a chance I might always mourn it from time to time that it would rear its ugly head. And here's what I've learned the last few years as I have been very intentional in seeking a much deeper interaction with God and laying everything on the table. I learned that if we want a deeper relationship with God, we have to have a deeper interaction. I'm going to let that sit there for a minute, and I'm going to repeat it. If we want a deeper interaction with God, we have to have, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. If we want a deeper relationship with God, we have to have a deeper interaction. Now, this took some time to really understand and learn for me. I had to create time in my schedule to just sit with him to be transparent, to be vulnerable, both with myself and with him. I journaled, read, and prayed, but I mostly learned to just sit with him and to talk with him. And he began to speak into my wife and wash away some of the motives that drove me. I learned that he's safe, he's loving, He's kind, he's present, and I mostly learned that I could trust him. 
My husband and I have been married for over 10 years now. And while it has not always been easy, it has been good. God has guided and restored us in ways that we did not know we needed. Ultimately, here's what I found. It was never about me being wrong. You see, part of being a believer is when we start out, we may not get things fully right. It's a process, and we begin to learn and grow in our understanding. 1 Corinthians 13, 11 says, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Do you know how we grow out of our childish ways of thinking and striving? By trusting God and allowing Jesus to guide and teach us and love us. When we allow ourselves to be truly known by Him and for Him to truly know us, He provides so much more than we can imagine. He suffered to wash away all we get wrong and put us in a right relationship with Him and the Father. You know, yesterday when Marty was speaking about the woman who washed Jesus' feet with her tears in the alabaster oil, you guys remember that? And he mentioned that Jesus asked Simon the question, do you see this woman? You remember that? He meant more than just visually seeing her. He meant, do you understand the depths of who she is? what she is experiencing or going through. Here's what I know. Jesus clearly saw this woman in a way that Simon never did. And he also saw who I was all those years more than I could even see that. He knew me more than I knew myself. He knows how to guide us, to draw us in, giving us time and love so gently. And ladies, I could go on and on. But you know what else I learned? I learned that while he might not give us what we want, he always gives us what we need. Ladies, this is a picture of Ollie. I'm now Lolly. He is not my child, but my grandchild. My husband's oldest son and his wife had Oliver in April of last year. And here's another with me and my husband and him. And ladies, I am smitten. (laughs) It has been so very good. And we love that guy, little guy so much. God has so much more for us that if we will just trust him, if we will learn to sit in our rightful rightful position before Him, and call out to Him as our Father. And I know this is not an easy ask. So ladies, this is my prayer for you, that you may learn the art of trusting God as your Father, that you will learn to sit in His lap, look in His eyes, and allow Him to hold you, protect you, love you, and provide for you. And as you do, he will do the rest. He will put us right where we need to be. If this is something that you struggle with and would like to talk to somebody, please reach out to Jennifer Bardell in the back or Deidre. 
And uh, either one would love to direct you to the right resource or to somebody who can assist you. Okay. So ladies, let uh, let me say a prayer. Thanks for your time and attention. And then you guys can go off to your rooms where you meet for your groups. Okay. Father, we thank you so much for your word this morning. We thank you for your love, for all the ways you guide us in in the midst of who we are. And Father, I ask that you be with these ladies as they go to their groups. I pray that they'll they'll have a great conversation and community, that there will be a, a sense of love. And Father, that you would just help us as we go out from here to lean into you and to trust you in all that we say and do. And I pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen.